From all business, my favorite case on incentives is Federal Express, the heart and soul of their system, which created the integrity of the product, which is, of course, getting packages from point A to point B on time, is having all their airplanes come to one place in the middle of the night and shift all the packages from plane to plane. If there are delays, the whole operation can't deliver a product full of integrity to Federal Express customers. And it was always screwed up. They could never get it done on time. They tried everything, moral suasion, threats, you name it, and nothing worked. Finally, somebody got the idea to pay all these people not by the hour, but by the shift. When it's done, they can go home. Well, their products or their problems cleared up overnight. That is one of many quotes I'm going to read you to you today from the Tao of Charlie Munger, a compilation of quotes from Berkshire Hathaway's vice chairman on life, business, and the pursuit of wealth, which was published with some commentary by David Clark. Now, there are kind of two ways to learn about Charlie Munger. Um, you know, my favorite book ever written is uh, Poor Charlie's Almanac, but it is a, a, a tome. It, this thing will take you days to be able to read through that book. If you're looking for a, a quicker, easier way to get some of Charlie Munger's wisdom, this book is fantastic. It's got some really great quotes. And so what I thought I would do today is just read some of my favorite quotes that I've selected. Now, separately, I'm doing a separate episode on the introduction in this book, which is uh, somewhat long, but it's honestly probably the best um, breakdown I've ever heard of just Charlie's whole life and his career and some of the biggest ideas that he had. Um, but that's going to be an entirely separate episode, so I'll record that separately. For today, I am just going to focus on the quotes that are my favorite. And so I'll try to keep commentary light. Um, you can find the full show notes. You can find all these quotes if you're interested at outlieracademy.com slash Tao of Charlie. That's slash Tao of Charlie. You can spell that all together. You can spell it with dashes. All, all, all of them will redirect to the same place. Um, so I'll keep commentary light, but let's go ahead and jump in. Um, you know, so what's remarkable about Charlie Munger is that he's not just full of wisdom, but biting wit. And that's what makes, at least in my experience, reading this book and reading Charlie's quotes uh, worth it. You know, they're not just interesting. They're put in, in hilarious, fascinating, interesting ways. And, uh, and so the quotes actually are really helpful. You know, I think for some people, I find that quotes aren't great. I think for Charlie, the quotes hold together kind of on their own. So let's go ahead and jump in. I'm just literally going to read you my favorite quotes from the book. Um, and so this is some of my favorite quotes and wisdom from Charlie Munger. The desire to get rich fast is pretty dangerous. Knowing what you don't know is more useful than being brilliant. People are trying to be smart. All I'm trying to do is not be idiotic, but it's harder than most people think. One of Charlie's favorite principles, this idea of inversion, and I think this is a wonderful inversion, which is, I don't want to be brilliant. I just want to not be an idiot. So I'm going to really focus on eliminating errors, eliminating mistakes. Life uh, is, is a lot like a poker game, wherein you have to learn to quit sometimes when holding a much-loved hand. You must learn to handle mistakes and new facts that change the odds. My idea of shooting fish in a barrel is draining the barrel first. Again, just a biting quote from Charlie, one of his best. Once we'd gotten over the hurdle of recognizing that a thing could be a bargain based on quantitative measures that would have horrified Graham, we started thinking about better businesses. Ben Graham, ben Graham had a lot to learn as an investor. His ideas of how to value companies were all shaped by the Great Crash and the Great Depression, uh, which almost destroyed him. It left him with an aftermath of fear for the rest of his life, and all his methods were designed to keep that at bay. I'm going to add a little commentary here because I think this is really interesting. You know, Ben Graham is known as the father of value investing. 
And what Charlie's effectively saying here is they actually started, you know, uh, Warren actually uh, apprenticed under ben Benjamin Graham. Um, he actually learned from Benjamin Graham directly. And so Berkshire in its earliest days were formed by his ideas, which were all basically about just extreme value, meaning they didn't focus on the quality of the business. They didn't focus on pricing power. They didn't focus on anything, but was the business cheap by quantitative methods. And so I just think it's really interesting. And this is, I think, one of the most remarkable ideas is really this change of, I think, one recognizing that Benjamin Graham's anchoring was really coming from fear and it was coming from his experience in the Great Crash and the Great Depression. And that that was positive, but, you know, that in and of itself isn't a great investing methodology. Okay, back to the quotes. Sit on your ass investing. You're paying less to brokers. You're listening to less nonsense. And if it works, the tax system gives you an extra one, two, three percentage points per annum. Acknowledging what you don't know is the dawning of wisdom. You're looking for a mispriced gamble. That's what investing is. And you have to know enough to know whether the gamble is mispriced. That's value investing. You should remember that good ideas are rare. When the odds are greatly in your favor, bet heavily. Mimicking the herd invites regression to the mean. Mimicking the herd invites regression to the mean. I've never been able to predict accurately. I don't know many money. I, I don't make money predicting accurately. We just tend to get into good businesses and stay there. Again, one of uh, Warren, one, one thing Warren Buffett openly acknowledges is that their holding period is forever. And actually, it, it takes a lot for them to decide to sell a business. So again, never been able to predict accurately. I don't make money predicting accurately. We just tend to get into good businesses and stay there. If you like me, Lived through 1930, uh, 1973 to 1974. Um, if even the early 1990s, there was a waiting list to get out of the country club. That's when you know things are tough. If you live long enough, you'll see it. The way to get rich is to keep 10 million in your checking account in case a good deal comes along. This is actually a tactic Charlie employed. Get $10 million in cash. Um, you know, it's a fascinating, maybe a tactical tip. Uh, I don't know if you have $10 million lying around, but if you do, keep it in case a good deal comes along. I succeeded because I have a long attention span. It's an unfortunate fact that great and foolish excess can come into prices of common stocks in the aggregate. They are valued partly like bonds based on roughly rational projections of use value and producing future cash, but they are also valued partly like Rembrandt paintings, purchased mostly because their prices have gone up so far. I think that every time you see the word EBITDA, you should substitute that word with bullshit earnings. It's just one of my favorite quotes, if you know anything about EBITDA, uh, it, it's spot on. I, I think every time you see the word EBITDA, you should substitute that with bullshit earnings. Where you have complexity by nature, you can have fraud and mistakes. This will always be true of financial companies, including ones run by governments. If you want accurate numbers from financial companies, you're in the wrong world. Smart people aren't exempt from professional disasters from overconfidence. It's waiting that helps you as an investor, and a lot of people just can't stand to wait. In terms of business mistakes that I've seen over a long lifetime, I would say that trying to minimize taxes too much is one of the great standard causes of really dumb mistakes. Anytime somebody offers you a tax shelter from here in life, my advice would be don't buy it. An isolated example that's very rare is much easier than a perfect sea of misery that never ceases. Move only when you have the advantage. You have to understand the odds and have the discipline to bet only when the odds are in your favor. 
view stock as an ownership of the business and judge the staying quality of the business in terms of its competitive advantage. View a stock as an ownership of the business and judge the staying quality of the business in terms of its competitive advantage. I think that one should recognize reality even when one doesn't like it. Indeed, especially when one doesn't like it. It's remarkable how much long-term advantage uh, people like us have gotten from trying to be consistently not stupid instead of trying to be very intelligent. There must be some wisdom in the folk saying it's the strong swimmers who drown. There's more dementia about finance than there is about sex. If people weren't wrong so often, we wouldn't be so rich. You have to be very patient. You have to wait until something comes along, which at the price you're paying is easy. That's contrary to human nature. Just to sit there all day, doing nothing, waiting. It's easy for us. We have a lot of other things to do. But for an ordinary person, can you imagine just sitting for five years doing nothing? You don't feel active. You don't feel useful. So you do something stupid. We have a history when things are really horrible of waiting in when no one else will. By and large, I don't think much of finance professors. It's a field with witchcraft. There isn't a single formula. You need to know a lot about business and human nature and the numbers. It's unreasonable to expect that there is a magic system that will do it for you. Successful investing requires this crazy combination of gumption and patience. And then being ready to pounce when the opportunity presents itself. Because in this world, opportunities just don't last very long. We just keep our heads down and handle the headwinds and tailwinds as best we can and take the result after a period of years. Again, it's basically a commentary around just persisting and staying in a position, staying in an investment for a long period of time. In business, we often find that the winning system goes almost ridiculously far in maximizing or minimizing one of a few variables, like the discount warehouse Costco. What's he saying here? He's saying, like, what's so remarkable about Costco's business is it's literally all around one thing, which is cost. And that that is, they've built a flywheel that perpetually drives cost out of the business, which perpetually makes it so they can offer customers great prices. And, you know, it's when you study these businesses, what you see is just an insane focus on maximizing or minimizing one of a few variables. There are two kinds of businesses. The first earns 12%, and you can take it out at the end of the year. The second earns 12%, but all the excess cash must be reinvested. There's never any cash. It reminds me of the guy who uh, looks at all of his equipment and says, there's all my profit. We hate that kind of business. It's a capital-intensive business. Um, you know, Warren and Charlie are in some of these, but it's also a great description. Um, I, I did a breakdown on this of uh, the textile business that they actually got into initially that made money, but all that money always had to be reinvested. And so there was nothing left at the bottom line at the end of the year or the end of many years. Over the very long term, history shows that the chances of any business surviving in a manner agreeable to a company's owners are slim at best. The difference between a good business and a bad business is that good businesses throw up one easy decision after another. The bad business throws up painful decisions time after time. If you're not willing to react with equanimity to a market price decline of 50% two or three times a century, you're not fit to be a common shareholder and you deserve the mediocre result you're going to get compared to the people who do have the temperament, who can be more philosophical about these market fluctuations. Averaged out, betting on a quality of a business is better than betting on the quality of management, but very rarely you find a manager who's so good that you're wise to follow him into what looks like a mediocre business.
Henry Singleton might be a great example of this. It makes me think of the book, The Outsiders, which is an exceptional book at profiling really great managers who you would want to follow into basically any business that they wanted to touch. From all business, my favorite case on incentives is Federal Express. The heart and soul of their system, which created the integrity of the product, is having all their airplanes come to one place in the middle of the night and shifting all the packages from plane to plane. If there are delays, the whole operation can't deliver a product full of integrity to Federal Express customers. And it was always screwed up. They could never get it done on time. They tried everything, moral suasion, threats, you name it, and nothing worked. Finally, somebody got the idea to pay all these people who are moving the packages from plane to plane, not by the hour, where they're incentivized to take, you know, they're incentivized to take as long as it takes, but by the shift. When it's done, they can go home. Well, their problems cleared up overnight. As you can tell in Berkshire's operations, we are much more conservative. We borrow less on more favorable terms. We're happier with less leverage. You can argue that we've been wrong and that it costs us a fortune, but that doesn't bother us. Missing out on some opportunity never bothers us. What's wrong with someone getting a little richer than you? It's crazy to worry about this. We know when we were young which things to stretch for, but by the time we reached Iskar, which we, never knew, uh, which we never would have bought when we were young, we knew to stretch for the right people. It's a hell of a business. Everything is right there. Isn't it good that we keep learning? Better late than never. Spend each day trying to be a little wiser than you were when you woke up. Just discharge your duties faithfully and well. Slug it out one inch at a time, day by day. At the end of the day, if you live long enough, most people get what they deserve. Know the big ideas and the big disciplines and use them routinely, all of them, not just a few. I like people admitting they were complete stupid horse's asses. I know I'll perform better if I rub my nose in my mistakes. This is a wonderful trick to learn. There's no way that you can live an adequate life without making mistakes. In fact, one trick in life is to get so you can handle mistakes. Failure to handle psychological denial is a common way for people to go broke. Extreme specialization is the way to succeed. Most people are way better off specializing than trying to understand the world. Any year that passes in which you don't destroy one of your best-loved ideas is a wasted year. Being rational is a moral imperative. You should never be stupider than you need to be. Another thing I, another thing I think should be avoided is extremely intense ideologies ideologies. Uh, because it cabbages up one's mind. Another thing I think should be avoided is extremely intense ideology because it cabbages up one's mind. We are all learning, modifying, or destroying ideas all the time. Rapid destruction of your ideas when the time is right is one of the most valuable qualities you can acquire. You must force yourself to consider arguments on the other side. One solution fits all is not the way to go. The right culture for the Mayo Clinic is different from the right culture at a Hollywood movie studio. You can't run all these places with a cookie-cutter solution. Warren is one of the best learning machines on this earth. Warren's investing skills have markedly increased since he turned 65. Having watched the whole process with Warren, I can report that if he had stopped with what he knew at earlier points, the record would be a pale shadow of what it is. I'm getting more experienced at aging. I'm like the man who jumped off the skyscraper and at the fifth floor on the way down says, so far, this is not a bad ride. You must have the confidence to override people with more credentials than you, whose cognition is impaired by incentive-caused bias or some similar psychological force that is obviously present. 
But there are also cases where you have to recognize that you have no wisdom to add and that your best course is to trust some expert. Extreme distrust of expertise on the one hand and extreme trust of expertise, depending on uh, basically if you can observe biases or you know if you actually don't have any knowledge to add. And this goes to many of the things Charlie echoes. You need to know your circle of competence. You need to know your blind spots. You need to be aggressive at finding those and, and rubbing your face in them that you don't make stupid mistakes. Most people are trained in one model, economics, for example, and try to solve all problems in one way. You know the saying, to the man with a hammer, the world looks like a nail. This is a dumb way of handling problems. The best armor of old age is a well-spent life preceding it. It's one of my favorite quotes. The best armor of old age is a well-spent life preceding it. In my whole life, I have known no wise people who didn't read all the time. None. Zero. You'd be amazed at how much Warren reads and how much I read. My children laugh at me. They think I'm a book with a couple of legs sticking out. Life is always going to hurt some people in some ways and help others. There should be more willingness to take the blows of life as they fall. That's what manhood is, taking life as it falls, not whining all the time and trying to fix it by whining. I constantly see people rise in life who are not the smartest, sometimes not even the most diligent, but they are learning machines. They go to bed every night a little wiser than they were when they got up. And boy, does that help, particularly when you have a long run ahead of you. The highest form that civilization can reach is a seamless web of deserved trust. Not much, not much procedure, just totally reliable people correctly trusting one another. In your life, what you want is a seamless web of deserved trust. And if your proposed marriage contract had 47 pages, I suggest you not enter. I think the attitude of Epictetus is the best. He thought that every mischance in life was an opportunity to behave well. Every mischance in life was an opportunity to learn something. And that your duty was not to be submerged in self-pity, but to utilize the terrible blow in constructive fashion. That's a very good idea. Dean Kendall of the University of Michigan Music School once told me a story. When I was a little boy, I was put in charge of a little retail operation that included candy. My father saw me take a piece of candy and eat it. I said, don't worry, I intend to replace it. My father said, that sort of thinking will ruin your mind. It'll be much better for you to take all that you want and call yourself a thief every time you do it. Again, it's just this idea of like seeing reality and seeing your behavior clearly. Don't cloud it. Don't lie to yourself. It's bad to have an opinion you're proud of if you can't state the arguments for the other side better than your opponents. This is a great mental discipline. That has been some of my favorite quotes from this delightfully short book, The Tao of Charlie Munger, a compilation of quotes from Berkshire Hathaway's vice chairman on life, business, and the pursuit of wealth. It's put together by David Clark, and it's got commentary in the book. Um, I will do another episode uh, on the introduction, which I think is a fantastic way to just describe who, basically who is, or answer the question, who is Charlie Munger? Um, if you're interested in the show notes, if you want to see these quotes I've just taken you through, again, you can go to outlieracademy.com slash Tao of Charlie Munger. Thank you so much. Be back with more soon.